If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Our guest today is Ben Blay. Ben's an FEI show jumping rider and competitor who has been successful as a young rider representing Australia in Singapore and Korea. Ben is a professional coach and we're going to talk to him today about quite a few things. Let's get started anyway. How are you today, Ben? Fantastic. Another uh, sunny day in paradise. Great, great. You're so positive. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> ben, have you got a, a quote that you can start us off with? I've got a couple of quotes that come to mind. First one by Waldo Emerson, do not go where the path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave the trail. I think yes. I've always sort of done what you know you haven't seen before and always doing something different. Yep, yep, yep. The other quote, my dad actually gave me when I did my school captain speech. He said, he said, God gave us two ends, one to sit on and one to think with. Our success in life depends on which one we use the most. <laughs> I think I like that one as well. So he gave you that. Now, do these come back to you? You know, when you're riding, training, competing, is it times when it gets a bit hard where you think, I've just got to do this, or you're making a decision and you don't want to go, you want to go where there's no path? You know, when have you actually used those to help you and inspire you? You know, the horse industry is a tough game. It's definitely not the easiest trail. And, you know, there's a lot of times where you go, Am I doing the right thing? You know, am I heading the right way? And you've got to have that sort of confidence in yourself to say, just keep going, just keep turning up, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, with the horse, like it's nothing's going right, but just keep going. Yep. You know, yep. or yep. whether you're working for someone and all you get is trauma from, you know, abuse and stuff like that. Just keep turning up. Don't listen to how it's being said. Just keep going, listen to mm-hmm. what's being said. Mm-hmm. Think about your very first memories with horses because you were quite successful as a young rider. What was the first time that you remember touching a horse, sitting on a horse or anything at all to do with horses? First thing I remember is being on a trail ride with my mum and dad who were both horsey people as well and I couldn't trot. So the only way I could trot was for them to trot away and my horse to just chase them. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's probably the first memory that I remember. I I wasn't really too interested in horses as a young person, to be honest. Like, I'd rather stay at home and watch cartoons. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's taken the easy path. I'm glad for the horse world that you didn't always take the easy path that you had. What started you then to actually ride? You know, like you said, you'd rather stay at home. Yeah. The thing that made me say, oh, this is, you know, this is something. The first thing, you know, I had I had this friend at school and he wanted to be a jockey. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And he got my dad to give him lessons and help him. And I saw that. Mm-hmm. 
and I was furious that, you know, dad had helped him and I was just so competitive. I was like, I'm going to beat him. <laughs> I, I want to get ahead of him. You know, I, I don't want to see him being ahead of me. I want to do this. And that's when I said, okay, well, you know, okay, maybe I'll ride a bit and see how it goes. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. How did your friend go? Did they become a jockey or did they stop riding? What happened there? It's a very successful tradition in Gundagai of horse people and that fella, Ben Patterson, is actually, he was leading mm. jockey in Perth. Yep. He's um, now in Adelaide trying to make it in the big time and then I still see him on Facebook and stuff like that and go, oh, wow, like this guy's. Mm-hmm. He was a friend at high school and primary school, and yep. now yep. he's you know doing the good stuff. That's great, and what a credit to your father! You know, yeah, started you both off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, when you left school, you went to work for Vicky Roycroft. Did she offer you a job? Did you ask her what happened there? Well, it's always by accident. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know I just fell into the position there. I, my mum and dad always encouraged me to go to the George Morris clinics. Yep. And I did my first one when I was 16, and one of them ended up being up at Vicky's place, or mm-hmm. where they always are. But yep. I went up there, and George, you know, took a liking to me and helped me along and was very keen, and Colleen Brooke was there and Vicky was there, and, and they said, oh, George thinks you're going all right. You know, maybe it's a good thing if you stay up here and – ride a little, you know, and Vicky mm-hmm. said, I'm looking for a, a young boy that wants to ride a bit and ride some young horses. And yeah, I went there for two weeks, which turned into two months, which turned into <laughs> six months, which turned into, you know, five years. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think she saw in you? What core skills or character traits do you think she saw? You know, I mean, obviously you're already riding and doing well as a rider, but I'm sure she wouldn't have asked you and I'm sure you wouldn't have kept going she might have asked you for the initial two weeks but what was it that you had that made you keep going and that she kept asking you to come back to stay longer that's a hard one I guess probably that I was willing to do anything mm-hmm. you know I was we'd be out at nine o'clock at night you know doing whatever with the horses and never complain just keep turning up you know never sick Oh, you know, sick, but never not turn up. Mm, mm. Just keep at it. And I don't think I was particularly like super talented like some of the other guys that I grew up with, like Tom McDermott, but just that willingness to just keep turning up and never give up. And Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that's probably what she saw. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, now what do you think is the best thing about working in the horse industry? Probably the best thing, I don't know, it's like... It's that adrenaline rush when you get in the ring. It's being able to, you know, compete with your friends, ride these beautiful horses. It's a really fulfilling industry and being able to do it each weekend and just keep going in and out of the ring with different horses, it's a great thing. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, now you talked about Vicky and how she has influenced you. You talked about even George Morris, who else has influenced you and helped you along the way? Oh, and also your father, of course. Yeah, well, my mum and dad have always, you know, we'd go in mm-hmm. our little crappy truck with our <laughs> four or five junior horses to every bun fight. And, um, yeah, they always were very keen to go to all the events and just give it a go and give me every opportunity. You know, I'm really grateful for that. And, yeah, Vicky... 
she's, uh, you know, been such a influence, just giving me any chance and every chance. And that's a really good thing. And yeah, George Morris, who said, you know, I think you have to leave Gundagai. <laughs> you know, that was his words. And come to Vicky's. Yeah, that's just people pushing me out of my comfort zone. Mm, mm, good. Now, talk about being out of your comfort zone. Then you, at one stage there in between, I think you'd been at Vicky's for a bit, you went to France. What was the hardest thing about going to France? The hardest thing? Mm. Probably the language barrier. Mm-hmm. It was uh, going over there and all the grooms, you know, they're French and they're not about to go and try English because the French are very French. <laughs> and um, just the communication and speaking to them on a day-to-day basis, you know, it's one of those good things about horses. They're universal. You can still get on with everyone. Yep, yep. But, yeah, the communication barrier, it's such a different way of teaching as well. You know, talk about horse riding being universal but there's a different style in every country mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and having to adapt to those different type of horses as well like they've got very bloody full of personality horses that are not like our thoroughbreds which will you know they might be fiery but they'll do whatever you want you have to sort of work with them and if you try and muscle the french horses they'll just you know spit you off <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about riding the warm bloods and thoroughbreds, but first of all, tell me the best thing about spending that time in France. The best thing? Yeah. The opportunities that you get. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to a horse show every weekend. We went to Spain for two weeks. We just, you know, I drove one shift. Batiste, who I worked with there, drove the other shift. We drove down 22 hours to ride in Spain for two weeks. Just down the road was the Grand Parquet which is sort of the best arena in all of France. It's where they have the national championships. It's where they have the national young horse championships, which are even bigger than the national championships. Yep, yep. Yeah, like the competition, there's heaps of good riders. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a fantastic place to go. Yep, yep. Now, going back to the warm bloods and thoroughbreds, you know, because you said that they're different types of horses, different personality, different ways to ride. And this is your opinion. I know every horse is different, but when are thoroughbreds the best and when are warm bloods the best? The, all the horses I had as junior horses were thoroughbreds. Mm-hmm. All the horses until I was 19, yeah, I just rode thoroughbreds. They've, you know, they, you have to ride with so much tact. I guess they're a good grounding, you know, starter horse for every junior out there because you have to use your brain and be calm and work with your horse whereas the warm bloods you can maybe not all warm bloods but definitely a lot of warm bloods you can yeah kick around and pull hard and make a mistake and you can get away with a lot of things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i guess going back to your question it's a great thing that australian riders have the ability to go onto so many thoroughbreds some of the good juniors today, like that have just been on warm bloods, they just, you know, when, if you put them on a thoroughbred, they will not cope as well. Mm-hmm. But then again, put some of these kids who have this talent for getting along with these hot thoroughbreds, put them on a warm blood, and they can't ride them either. It's mm-hmm. got to be a mix. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a mix. And I like what you said about every horse being different too, you know, because you can ride 
a mixture of thoroughbreds and find them all different or a mixture of warm bloods and find them all different? Yeah, I think the best thoroughbred has mm-hmm. got a warm blood type and the best warm blood has got a thoroughbred type. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for thoroughbred type horses in Europe. Yep, yep. Thoroughbred type warm bloods. Yeah, thoroughbred, yep, yeah, yep, warm yep, bloods. yep, yep. Yep. And in Australia, we're wanting, because we've always seen thoroughbreds, we want the warm blood type horses, but we've sort of <laughs> got to meet in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Okay. Now, because you did a fair bit of eventing as a junior, the difference between competing eventing, competing show jumping, the work involved, the you know, any any standout things that you're going to tell us the difference between show jumping and eventing. You know, I mean obviously the rules and everything, but I'm talking more in the background. You know, in the background as a rider, as a competitor, and to do with the training. How are you going to train a show jumper different to an eventer? Definitely an eventer takes a lot more work, a lot more miles in the truck. Mm-hmm. We don't have cross-country courses at home. We have to go out. When we had eventers, we'd go up to, you know, different cross-country courses and train because we just can't do it in our backyard. Yep. Uh, maybe a lot of a lot of the country kids have got back hills because they've got massive properties and logs to jump over, but there's still so much of a technical aspect in eventing mm-hmm. that you need to go to these courses where they've built these proper water jumps and, you know, ditches and stuff like that and be able to ride these brave fences in a technical way, yeah, you just can't do that at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I prefer show jumping a bit because it's a lot more flexible and I can put an arena in my backyard yep. and put jumps and be able to practice and change those jumps mm-hmm. around to be able to work with a show jumper. Yep. But, yeah, I just can't plop all these cross-country fences in my backyard. <laughs> Sure, sure. Tell me a bit about sponsors. You know how to get sponsors, how do sponsors approach you, you approach sponsors, what happens there? That's a good question. And that's a shout out to all the parents out there who are your first great sponsor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and kids have got to appreciate that. Yep, yep. Yeah, what your parents do, that is the grounding for you to um, how to work with people and well yeah how do you work with sponsors you've got to be nice you've got to we've always been in a just in the right place at the right time and people who want to sponsor have the same interests as you Mm -hmm. and you know when you keep turning up people see that and they're Mm -hmm. like i want to be you know i want to join that i want to be a part of that and the sponsors that we've had you know now and in the past, they've always wanted to be a part of a journey, but they like that you can talk to people and give frank reviews about their product. Like, we don't have sponsors unless we use what they have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you don't have to go out and search for a sponsor for something that you don't need. You've got to do it for something that you like. And yeah, first you're 
you like the brand and then they sponsor you. It's not mm-hmm. the other way around. You don't like them because they sponsor you. Yes. So it's got to be a real sincerity about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think being able to use something and like it and then when people see you in it, that's when it happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going back to the thoroughbreds and warm bloods and you know horses who've influenced you and helped you in your career, is there one standout horse that you think has been the top of the tree influencing you or there have been a couple? And also tell us if they've been thoroughbreds or warm bloods or a mixture. Bit of a mixture. I guess the one horse, uh, one thoroughbred that probably inspired or influenced me actually in a venting thoroughbred and it was a horse called Xylophone and he was too slow on the racetrack. He was one of those big chunky warm blood type thoroughbreds and he was a useless show jumper Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, I actually evented him a lot he was really good at dressage he taught me a lot about flight work and I had a lot of lessons with a lady called Sue Walker on him Mm -hmm. but uh, it was I think it was the 2007 Pony Club Nationals and I was trying to get on the show jumping team because I had a lot of good show jumping horses and they rang up and said hey we've got heaps of good show jumpers talking to my dad mm, mm. but we don't have enough eventers <laughs> and we know ben's got a good eventer do you think ben would like to go on the eventing team and dad being dad he's all always about give it a go and you know mm. fill in where you have to he just said yeah sure and uh, yeah. we went to the event and of course he was a dud show jumper and we jumped in this indoor and we got to the second fence and there was a bit of light coming in from the side through yes. the indoor and this yeah. horse spooked at it and spat me. <laughs> Not in the actual competition, it was in the warm-up competition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when all the other kids were like, oh, this kid's useless. And <laughs> <laughs> and I got a lot of, I burned up a lot. I was I was in tears. I, you know, hated xylophone. That's the worst horse ever. <laughs> and Dad said, no, get out, back out there. We started the real competition and leading after dressage, you know, is a spooky horse and that Mm. included his cross country. And I just had to kick so hard and I got around leading after cross country, got into the show jumping. Of course, I'd just fallen off a couple of days previous in this same arena. (laughs) It's the same time of day. There's a bit of sun coming in on all the jumps. And I had to, like, ride so hard on this horse (laughs) that was not the greatest show jumper, and I had two down. And I was like, oh, no. But luckily, all the riders previous had two down as well. I won. (laughs) Okay. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. (laughs) He was the the worst (laughs) horse for the job. Yeah. But we got it done anyway. Mm, mm. So winning that, was that your proudest moment or that was just one that you've really learned a lot from? I think even though it's eventing and I've always been about show jumping, it's probably one of my proudest moments because it was one of the biggest challenges. Yep, yep. And, you know, it was when the chips are down, you just got to help out the team in the New South Wales team. And, yeah, I think that's probably one of my yeah proudest moments. Mm-hmm. Has there been any other proudest moments that you want to mention or um, is it? At the one well yeah just the fact that horses have you know they take you everywhere going to france i've been to india korea singapore on teams i've won australian and new south wales junior titles and pony club new south wales and australian titles 
And when I was with Vicky, I won a couple of New South Wales country titles. Mm-hmm. It's really enjoyable when you can go out and win something, you know. It's, it's a really fun yeah. thing to do, and I think that's what yeah. attracts a lot of people. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You said about the adrenaline rush and, uh, yeah, you're finding it fulfilling with the horses, but also, you know, the friendship as well. Yeah. What about challenges to where you are now as a rider, a competitor? You know, has there been challenges along the way there? You know, it's almost like people might say, oh, it's just a dream. You know, you went and you worked for one of the best riders in the world and then you went overseas and you did this. Has it all been easy or what do you think has been big challenges along the way? And how did you overcome them as well? Oh, my God, it's not been an easy road. There's been so many tears and so many doubts. Just being a Vicky, she's the toughest person I know and she's tough on her students and workers. And just every day she pushes you, pushes you, pushes you. You need to do this better. You know, you need to pick up sticks better. Mm -hmm. Everything is always be better, do better, try harder. And at times you think you can't take it anymore, but you just got to claw over the line and keep turning up. And that's uh, just some a challenge that you've got to overcome in the horse mm-hmm. industry. But, yeah, like, I don't know, the problems that you have then when you're learning, I did, you know, five years as a working student and I still feel like I didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. I could, I, you could be there forever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, even the challenges with running a horse business, it's a really tough game out there mm-hmm. and you can't have a tiring, you know, uh, off day or anything. You've just got to keep at it and keep pumping them through. And yeah, just the fact that it's hard to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get good horses. You know, I'm sort of going about it. I've changed my tact a few ways. You know, mm-hmm. you never give up, but you pivot. You yep. go, okay, this is not working. Mm-hmm. When I left Vicky's, I started my own business, and it was a super difficult thing to start, like trying to get new clients. I've been lucky that mm-hmm. people have seen with Vicky that I try hard and they want to give, you know, give him a go. Mm. But just being able to pay the bills and then try and compete at the same time, it's a really sort of pressure cooker. It's not from anyone else. It's from yourself because you want to do well. Yep. Yeah. Keep going with that. You know, I think probably your time at Vicky's helped you get through a bit though, do you think? Yeah, you've got to have a thick skin. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, now I want you to put on a coaching cap and tell me, you know, when you're out at competitions, when you're training, when you're coaching, What's a common fault that you see, things that people can fix? Because I want to talk about how to fix it as well. So what have you got to say about that? I think it's not always a riding thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's before the competition. Oh, it's a sort of, a, in a way, it's rushing to get there. Yep. Everyone wants to be better than everyone, but you've got to do it in such a way that... You know, you make your horse better every day. You don't need to... This is what Vicky really drummed into us. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't rush it. Yep. You don't rush the process. Mm-hmm. Try and be better every day, but take small steps. Yeah, yeah. And I guess one of the big problems is kids trying to rush up the grades and not learning the basics. When I teach a kid, 
I have a really hard time if they don't know their flight work or they can't write flight work really well. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate the good dressage instructors out there because, you know, without good flight work, your jumping is nothing. Yeah. You can't get past a certain level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is, yeah, rushing with the kids and they, you know, parents have got a lot to do with it. They've got to say, hey, you know, you've got to learn this. My mum forced me to have dressage lessons even though I was a boy and I just wanted to jump. <laughs> you know, but really, I can really appreciate the basics now mm-hmm. more than before. Yep, yep. Probably another thing is persevering with horses that aren't suitable. Mm-hmm. That's something you can fix, but you're not willing to fix. It's persevering with horses that, you know, maybe are not quite right for the job or, you know, you want to jump a metre ten, but they're a metre horse and you're trying to do it but your horse is just saying no and you know they might be trying really hard but they can't do it and you've got to realize that maybe I need to find the horse that's the next step up mm-hmm. you've got to really mm-hmm. see your horse as an investment yep you know it's an investment in your future that's I told the kid the other day she got a new horse and it happened to be the right horse but she wanted to jump 90 centimetres and I can see from two minutes watching her that she's only ready to ride 75. Mm -hmm. And the way I convinced her to ride 75 right now is that she's going to uni, she's got to see this horse as an investment and say in a couple of years' time, she's taken the time and she's made this horse a better horse, she hasn't scared it by trying to rush up the grades and she can sell her horse for a little bit of money and get the next horse along. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by seeing a horse as an investment, at first thought it seems like you don't care about your horses, but when you see your horse as an investment, you care so much more. Yes, yes. Because they mean so much more to you than just a pet. You you treat them better because they're part of you, they're part of your future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, now... Thinking about learning still, a book to complement training. Have you got one to recommend for us? Oh, my favourite book's uh, Bill Steinkraus's book, Riding and Jumping. Mm-hmm. It's probably my favourite book because he doesn't just talk about jumping, a better technique or, you know, he talks about jumping, he talks about flight work, but he talks about sort of managing and thinking and, you know, all those things that on first glance you don't think about but are so really important, like just the positive mindset and uh, having the mindset to jump and ride. Yep, yep. All right, now what are you looking forward to now, Ben? Have you got young horses coming along or you've got good students coming along? What uh, what have you got coming up? Yeah, I've I've got some great young horses that my parents who started a breeding program many years ago. My mum's a vet, so she can do it on the cheap side. (laughs) Yeah, we've got a lot of young horses that are turning four and five by a lot of local stallions like Beluga and Casino Royale, Dynamite Bay, Caracas. There's a lot of young horses that dad's riding and getting going and then I'll sort of take on. Mm-hmm. I'm really lucky in that regard. Yep. My girlfriend Kate Roots has got one as well of mum and dad's by Beluga out of a thoroughbred mare. All our horses are out of thoroughbred mares. are really excited about them, you know, like yep. I said before. That balance between yes. warm blood and thoroughbred, that's something I really look for in a horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's something I'm really excited about. 
good. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm, well, I'm taking a little different route. I'm trying to do a degree in pharmacy as well mm-hmm. so I can fund my horses a lot more so I can get better horses, so I can get lessons myself, you know, be able to treat the horses really well. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of money. Let's not beat around the bush. You know, bringing a horse up, I think if you count it up, you're probably looking at 10000 a year mm-hmm. to um, train a horse. And you've got to be real and say, this is how much it's going to take. and yep. This is how much I've got to work or earn to be able to, you know, fund the horses and, mm-hmm. yeah, do the horses really well. But, yeah, that's, I'm really looking forward to that. We've got a heap of good students at the moment, really enthusiastic students and parents that just want to do really well. Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Yep, yep. And I think, you know, just going back to the amount of money, I think that depends, you know, like if you're talking about competing at a top level, it's going to be more expensive because you've got so many more expenses, you know, even just um, the transporting them and the condition the horses need to be in the type of horses. I totally agree. And you can take a lot of expense out by doing a lot of things yourself. Mm. So, you know, a part of your horse business is being able to tack a shoe on yourself so you don't have to get the farrier out. Mm-hmm. every five mm-hmm. minutes because, yep. you know, realities of it, you're going to have a lot of loose shoes and you're going to have hay to stack and you've got to be able to do that to keep the costs down and provide for your horses. Are you concerned about the time that you won't have though? You know, like at the moment, I suppose you're studying as well, but, you know, working full-time, you've got the horses. I suppose you've got to put one against the other, you know, to not have the time to do the stuff when you're working in another job. It's always interesting, isn't it? I totally agree with that. And we do find time pretty precious. Mm. At the moment, we're trying to keep costs low and this is what we've got to do at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've got to show a few of my young horses myself. I know a good friend of mine, Dave Goodwin, who's a World Cup rider, he was showing all his young horses. And, uh, you know, it's just something that you've got to do and be able to do. And, yeah, it's okay if you can get someone else to do it, then you've got to just work a little harder. And, you know, like, say, James Arkins, for instance, he's got a great spelling and adjustment place Mm, mm. where money's coming in that way and then he can afford to get, you know, grooms and stuff and then ride the top sport a lot more. So that's mm, mm. that's one of the sacrifices you make, I guess. I think sometimes that's, that's where your business management comes in, isn't it? You know, where you say, right, well, this is the expenses, this is the income, what's the best way to do this? Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Being out in the Hunter Valley where the income that we have is probably in the holidays and on weekends mm-hmm. where you're – You've got kids to teach and pony club camps to go to. It's bread and butter with the horses that come in that you train. Yep. But the sparseness of the country is a challenge that you face when mm-hmm. you're yeah, running a horse business out here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Ben, if you can sum up your philosophy with horses, that'd be great. My philosophy, um, I think, be able to provide for yourself whether that's a good job or as part of the horse industry, you've got to be bringing the money in to be able to have a balance and create time and treat your horse as well. And I think being able to do better with less 
mm-hmm. maybe less horses, do a better job with your one or two horses. Um, I think that's really the take-home message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, Ben, how can people contact you? Well, you can find us on Facebook. We've got, I'll just have to type in my name and it'll come up. We've always mm-hmm. got jumping photos or Google. <laughs> okay. Well, the other thing is too, it'll be on Horse Chat. So it'll be horsechats.com slash Ben Blay or else just go to horsechats.com and search for Ben and you'll see your page come up. It'll have the audio and, and all your contact details and things as well. So, yeah, if people get a bit stuck there. Sometimes I think, you know, I know a lot myself. I listen to podcasts in the car. You know, I often will go on a drive and just go, right, next podcast. And, and you know, you don't want to be writing things down as you're driving. But um, if they know to just go to the page and search for you, it's pretty easy then to come back and grab your phone number or grab your email or something. It's a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks very much for talking to us today, Ben. Um, You know, excited about your future and your young horses. And I think we'll just have to stay in touch and see how you're going there. And um, we'll, yeah, I think it was good talking about your traveling and your competing and everything else. So thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thanks very much. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. (laughs) Okay. Bye bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.